Um, okay, so we've got uh, we got a little movie to talk about here, don't we? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so much I want to say, and yet somehow so little that I want to say. <laughs> All right. Good luck today. I got a rookie driver. His name is Jimmy Fly. He's won five races. All you got to do is help this kid. I can't do this. I thought I could handle it. You can, and you will. Don't overdrive the car. There's maybe 20 guys in the world that can drive these machines right. I think when he can get it together off the track, he'll come together on it. You're having a bad season and you're throwing me out of your life? Don't blow this. Not over. What are you doing back here, Joe? The race. For the job requirement, remember? If he doesn't deliver next time out, he goes. What do you do with Carl? Whatever it takes to win. You don't know who you are anymore. Winning's an attitude. You gotta ask yourself, is the pleasure gonna be worth the pain? Everyone falls down. It's just how fast you get up, right? White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 502. Welcome to Open Wheel, the White Rocket IndyCar and Formula One podcast. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always for these racing and racing movie-related shows by my co-host, Alan J. Porter. Welcome back aboard, Alan. Thank you, Van, but I'm surprised you're actually welcoming me back after what I made you just watch, so I want to humbly apologize and hope this is not wrecked off friendship and I actually might make it back to another episode. <laughs> Well, I wasn't thinking happy thoughts about you <laughs> at all time. But, you know, you know, we just talked on our 500th episode, anniversary episode of, of all the White Rocket shows on Sunday. We just talked about how Jared is kind of the cheerleader for our network on trying to find the positive. And so, and I, and I, I admire that about him. I really respect that Jared, who is, for those that only listen to some shows, he is our... He's our one of our main hosts, along with Alan and me and several other folks on our various shows. He really goes out of his way to try to find good things to say about almost anything, and I appreciate that about him. I, I it's like, it's like though in this case, you know how Will Rogers said, "I never met a man I didn't like." I have to say, Will Rogers never watched Driven. <laughs> I, I do. I do actually have in my notes a few a, a few things, positive things. So. Ah, okay. Well, what are we here? We're here to talk about. All right, let's let's back up, set the stage for everybody. Yeah. This should be fun, and and I don't want it to sound like this is all going to be a, a cynical bashing for an hour or however long we go, because it's not. We're going to talk. We're going to have some fun. We always joke around, everything like that, and we'll get into some details. with what we do. It's what our brand is for this kind of show. But what we're here to talk about is 2001, Sylvester Stallone starred in, Rennie Harlan directed and produced, a movie about a racing league, maybe? I, we'll talk about that. And it's got a number of drivers. I would say it's it's kind of, it is called Driven. I didn't even say the name. It's called Driven. And Alan and I have been reviewing a number of racing-related, motorsports-related movies over the last year. We've, we've done movies like Grand Prix and... Um, Ford versus Ferrari and, and several really good ones like that. I would say this is almost this is almost an attempt to make a new Grand Prix, but mixed with like soap opera and really over the top action that you never would actually see at a racetrack. So just kind of like take introduce the audience to what it is we're actually watching here, Alan. Well, yeah, actually, you're sort of right because um, so it was also written by Sylvester Stallone. So if you think about mm. You know, we got the team here behind Rocky and Cliffhanger and stuff. And both Sylvester Stallone and Harlem were big car guys, uh, motor racing fans. Um, so in theory, this should have been good. Um, 
they wanted to do a movie. They basically wanted to do a movie around Formula One. They wanted to do another Grand Prix. And if you actually think about when we talked about the Frankenheimer Grand Prix movie in the 60s, there was a large soap opera aspect to that as well. Yes. Um, but it worked. But but we'll get into that part of it with this one. But uh, so, in, so Stallone basically said that first off, he wanted to um, do a biography of Ayrton Senna. Um, so a, a, bi- uh, a biopic of Ayrton Senna. That didn't fly for various reasons. So then he decided he wanted to do basically another version of Grand Prix, an updated version of Grand Prix. And he turned up at a lot of the F1 races, scouting locations, talking to people, and basically got completely shot down by the F1 establishment. Uh, Bernie Eccleston didn't want anything to do with him. He was the <laughs> F1 Supremo at the time. And none of the teams were going to give him access to the team the garages and all the secrets. This is way before, you know, F1 would let Netflix through the door. This was the tip period when everybody was incredibly secretive about what each of the teams did. So they uh, weren't going to uh, let him get in. So, so he basically got, he got turned down. Uh, so he decided that uh, as he couldn't get agreement from the F1 people, he would switch his focus to the next best thing, um, which at the time was the next best thing, which was the um, American series, which, was colloquially known as Champ Car, but was officially the IndyCar World Series operated by CART. CART stood for Championship Auto Racing Teams, which was the sanctioning body. And it was the premier open-wheel formula in the USA. And it was an international formula in the, in the late 80s. And uh, from 1979, and in the late 80s through the 90s, it was almost as popular as F1. I mean, it was getting up there. It was really challenging F1 for popularity. Um, so, uh, but... Uh, at the time of the movie, Cart was fighting um, an upstart league. There'd been a breakaway, um, and there was another IndyCar league happening at the same time. They were hemorrhaging money, and uh, they were really looking to turn things around and get some positive PR. Um, and, mm. of course, the exact opposite happened. Um, so, yeah. They, they, I- so they turned to that, and as you said, they, they basically... Um, it was a... I'm going to read a couple of the reviews here. Um uh, the worst car movie ever made, and a terrible <laughs> depiction of racing. A gruesome pile, a gruesome pile, gruesome pileup of sports movie cliches, incoherent action sequences, and ludicrous plots. Um, <laughs> and Stallone actually now admits that he regrets making it, and it earned seven seven Razzie awards. Wow! Uh, it got worst picture, worst director, worst screenplay, and worst screen couple, among <laughs> others. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't dispute any of that. I, I have several things to say about it. I, I do want to go through the cast too. It actually had a pretty interesting cast. I didn't hate the cast, although yeah. they're ju- they're it's the, well. Here's the thing: it has an interesting cast. They're just mostly not good in this. You know what I mean? It's like it's a cast that has been good in other things, but in this, it's like the whole thing just brought them down. I guess a combination of the dialogue well, they had I, to read and the everything. The, yeah, and the the two the two lead drivers, the young hotshot, and that were, were just yeah the actors who were playing that. I don't think have done much since, and yeah, no. they were terrible. They were like wooden. So, so let's, zero chemistry. No, nothing. Nobody had any chemistry. Um, so let's. Um, I want to de- dig a little bit further into the background real quick, and you know more about this than I do. I I had yeah. a feeling based on the timetable. See, all right, let me tell you what I knew, and then you fill it in, okay? I knew that IndyCar, what we know of today as IndyCar, got pretty big there around the time I really wasn't watching it anymore, probably in the in the 90s or whatever. And I also knew that at some point it split into yeah. two competing leagues, which basically destroyed each other and ruined everything for everybody the end. And then finally, when there were no fans left and it was all about to go bankrupt, they got back together as what we today know as IndyCar and started getting good again. And only now are they building back their reputation and their audience. So you're saying that before everything went to crap, it actually was big enough that this wasn't completely implausible. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the eighties, late eighties, and the early nineties, when you know some of the, you know, like when Nigel Mansell came over after mm. winning the Formula One World Championship and won the IndyCar Championship the following year, and you, you know, you had a lot of the top international drivers in IndyCar wanting to race IndyCar. Had um, they were racing in places like, a bit like you saw in the movie, um, you know, they were they were racing in places like uh, Australia and Japan and, and Mexico and Brazil. Um, you know, the UK built an oval circuit. Germany built an oval circuit just to bring Champ Car um, 
there. So you know, it it, it was it was big. I mean, it was you know, as I said, almost on a line with F1 at a time when F1 was you know getting a little boring um, <laughs> um and it started to have Imagine that glamour that. because the cars were very basic um you know mm-hmm. it didn't have all the tech technology uh, of f1 so it was a bit more of a purer sport if you yeah. like um and um so yeah um and then i think it was around 96 there was the breakaway um and because people were worried about the cost of champ car and stuff um so there was a, a breakaway in 1996 the indie racing league was formed um and really, that sort of there was a lot of infighting between the two for for a long time, um, mainly around the Indy 500. And then around the time this movie was made, um, it looked like the Indy Racing League was really winning that, and Kart was looking to really try and boost um, their PR and get more people in, and thought probably thought the movie was a good idea. Um, and then, sort of two years after this movie came out, Kart went bankrupt. Um, and then it was sort of relaunched under the Champ Car name, and that lasted up until around 2008, I think, mm. um, which is when, you, as you mentioned, the two leagues came back together, thankfully. Um, mm. um, and uh, it's been going strong ever since, and uh, getting stronger and stronger and, and yeah. getting back up there in terms of both uh, crowds and spectacle and uh, international re- reputation. So, and, and competition, as we've said many times on our regular show here, that it just seems way more competitive than Formula One because – it's, it really comes down to the skill of the driver and the setup of the teams. It's, it's more so anybody yeah. could almost could, could almost could win any race. And that's one of the things I love about it. But anyway, so I'm watching this movie yeah. and I'm not really thinking it immediately thinking about what you just described. I'm thinking of how IndyCar is today. So I'm watching this movie and I'm like, okay, clearly, yeah. I, I mean, like two minutes in, I'm thinking, okay, this is a movie about Formula One drama, but set in IndyCar. And so I couldn't buy yeah, I mean, any is, of it this, immediately, right? Yeah, but, I mean, this is full. All, a lot of the story, like you can tell, he pretty much took his Formula One script. He said he wrote twenty-five drafts of this story. Oh my gosh! Uh, but oh. you can see that there's so much um, Formula One things in that he just lifted wholesale and put into this movie, that which bear no resemblance to IndyCar, Champ Car, call it what you will at the time. Um, just, I mean, I can just run through some of them. I mean. Right at the beginning, the um, the stats that you see on the screen about how many people watch the series and stuff, right? And uh, so yes. many races and one world one world champion. That's Formula One stats. That's not Champ Car stats. Exactly. Um, and they start they start the movie off by basically getting you halfway through the season through a series of flashbacks or vignettes or whatever. And they you know we're throwing up all these labels. We're at this circuit. We're at that circuit with the other and they, they, you know. And they put up things like France. IndyCar has never raced. Champ Car never exactly. raced. Exactly. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching. So, yeah, I'm going, what? Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. Here's what I said. I said, this is clearly a fantasy movie. Yeah, um, oh, definitely. But, and I, on many, many levels. But, well, yeah. It, it, I said, it, my note says, it portrays a racing league that is too big and grandiose to be IndyCar and too small and American to be Formula One. It exists as some strange fantasy racing league in an alternate universe. That is exactly what I wrote down as I was watching it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's, it's Stallone's version of, well, if I can't do F1, I'm going to take it. You know, and there's a whole, uh, you know, I'm going to put F1 stuff onto this one. There's a but, whole... Um, Things like uh, you know the the character that Burt Reynolds plays, uh, the you know the, the team owner, the, the tough team owner in his wheelchair. It's clearly mm-hmm. Frank Williams uh-huh. uh, from the William, F1 Williams right. team. Um, you know the 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 uh, the emotionless German champion driver. It's clearly Michael Schumacher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole thing about him 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 and his fiancee having a love triangle with one of his rivals that happened with Schumacher and. Um, Heinz Harold Frentzen, I believe, um, oh, wow. who basically his girlfriend, Schumacher's wife was originally Heinz Harold Frentzen's girlfriend. So that's right out of F1. Um, there's, um, oh God, what else? The, oh, I, I had all these written down. I can't find it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so some of the tracks they visited and more F1, we talked about France. They never raced in France, but Champ Car did race in Brazil, Japan, and Australia, but okay. not in Germany in 2000, the year that, the, the movie was made. Well, that's what um, I let me, let me the following year after the movie. Let me let me ask you this real quick. I think so. there was a question there. Was who was this movie? Yeah. F- who was this movie for then? Because if it's 
if it's if it's for think, people that actually like race alone, <laughs> if if it's for people that actually like racing, they're gonna know that it's just like out the rear end. You know, he pulled out of his butt. And yet, if it's for people that don't know racing, they're not gonna care anyway. I mean, it you know, it, it's it's just like it it doesn't really fit no, anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I, th- I think he basically was trying to do for racing what he'd done for boxing with, with Rocky, which was basically, out, you know, people who had, ne- had no interest in it would get involved in the characters right. and, the, and the competition or whatever. So, uh, yeah, you know. Except that uh, there's no characters yeah. that are likable in the entire movie. There's nobody that you root for. I mean, yeah. the, the only character in it that you actually, I think, in any way root for is mainly just Stallone because he's being Stallone and he hasn't done anything to tick you off like everybody else has. Everybody else in the, the movie thing, does something horrible and you don't like well, him. Well, the one thing, that I, yeah, the, the note I wrote about Stallone, which I, I didn't understand because he wrote this movie, he wrote a character for himself who does nothing. Yeah. In terms of his own growth, he's not even an effective mentor, which is what he's meant, to, I think he's meant to be. Yeah. Um, Stallone's character doesn't do, you know, doesn't do anything. He, he um, does. He does his little trick with the coins. That's it. Yeah, which is complete BS. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like a lot of other physics in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> I, I one thing that, so, that I had to write down to ask you about: two hundred and fifty thousand people in attendance for the street race at Toronto. I, yeah, I'm, no. I'm just like there. I'm like, if you add together the attendance at five IndyCar races, you don't get 250,000 people. Certainly not in Toronto. That can't be right. That just other than Indy. Well, the thing is, that's well, Toronto is a big one, and it is a three-day sort of speed festival. So maybe if you added up all the, the individual attendance over all three days, you might get up to 250. Okay. All right, all right, but not like not there on the day. You know, I actually, I will say it is one of the positives. I actually thought they. Showed the the atmosphere of Toronto really well. Um, mm, okay, that, that sort of festival of speed thing. And <laughs> I did like the way that they actually. If you watch one of the making of uh, videos, which are almost as bad as the movie itself. Oh God. Um, they do show the fact that they actually filmed in the middle of everything that was going on. They didn't like stage the pit lane and them walking through the crowds. Um, they actually filmed in the middle of everything that was going on, and they, you know, they, they sometimes like would get like. 10 minutes where they had to shoot a dialogue scene and then get out of the pits before the race started or mm. they'd be walking from one garage to another and stuff. So, um, and then trying to film in and around that. So it, it does have, I will say, um, at some points it's a bit like Grand Prix level Le Mans of actual scenes done in the pit lane and during the race and things like that. But then they screwed it up by putting stupid CGI all over it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to ask you about that when they're walking around in the crowds, I I kept getting knocked over the head with, I don't know if it's, it's the cameraman and the editor, right? It's like boobs. And it's not just, oh, there goes a pretty girl. Oh, God, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's there goes a pretty girl. We will zoom in on her chest and linger. I yeah. mean, it was, it was honestly creepy how many scenes where oh, they're just walking around crowds and they just zoom in on women's body parts. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it being a fantasy movie. That's one of the levels I was talking about. I mean, I don't know whether it was the director or the editor or whatever. Um, but yeah, there are so many shots of um, very nice looking women in tight outfits. Um, yes. Even, you know, even when we get, and we'll sure we'll talk about it in more detail, the stupid car chase through Chicago where they have to blow <laughs> up a woman's skirt from, oh, God. I mean, you know, oh. I was was trying to forget. uh, I was trying to forget, and it all came back now. (laughs) I have a comment about that. I'll get to you. It's very um, frat boyish, I think, is the word I'm looking for. Yes. Um, I I think the whole film, I think a large part of this movie was filmed by like a 14 year old on his on his uh, hand cam or something like what would he be filming? You know, he's walking around, he sees a girl, he zooms in on her boobs and that's what the, that's how the film was filmed. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Yeah. I was just astonished. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like a bad um, hair ballad rock movie, MTV video. Yeah. You know, a Motley, a Motley Crue video or something like that. It is. uh, Yeah. All right. I want to, I want to mention the cast and, the entire cast is not even list, listed here. Um, all right, I'm, I'm going to go through them. And 
I, I know that there's another actor that I wanted to mention, and he's not listed in the cast where I'm looking, so you can we can help me remember. All right, so Sylvester Stallone. I've got to say this about Sylvester Stallone in this movie. Again, the cast I'm about to mention is not entirely horrible. There are some pretty decent folks in it, and yet they are awful in this movie. Sylvester Stallone. Alan, I should never be able to say what I'm about to say, okay? I should never be able to say this in any movie. Alan... Sylvester Stallone does the best acting job of anybody in this movie. Just let that sink in for a minute. Sylvester Stallone does the best acting job of any actor in this movie. That alone should tell you all you really need to know, okay? Do you, do you agree or would you say somebody else is better? In a relative I'd sense, say him better. Him and Burt Reynolds are probably close. I mean, they, uh, we I had the actor shouting match with each other. <laughs> At the end, but I, I don't know. Um, Bert has to spend I, to too me, much. Just go ahead. Now I was going to say to, to me, Stallone spends too much time recycling. I think rejected uh, Rocky dialogue. <laughs> that's true. It's been a long time since I saw uh, a Rocky movie, so that's fair. Bert, yeah, Bert, but, Bert uh, spends. Yeah, I will say he's one of the best. Yeah, sorry. Bert has to spend oh. way too much of this movie looking around and talking over a headset and chewing gum. Mm-hmm. He spends, I, th- I think, probably eighty about eighty percent of Burt Reynolds' screen time in this movie is him on a headset saying, "You're doing great," or "Watch it, kid." I mean, you know, look out. That's that's Burt in this movie. Is him just? We see him in the wheelchair for about twenty five seconds total. Once in the middle, once at the end. Otherwise, it's him on the headset saying, "Look out, kid. Watch out. You better slow down," and and and, and looking around, you know. He's like he's not even engaged in the movie, which I can't blame him. But, um, okay, so we got Sylvester Stallone, Burt Reynolds, Kip Pardue, I think is the kid, right? I, I have nothing to say about him. He yep. looks like a young Sebastian Bourdais. Never and I, heard of him. Be, ne- yeah. yeah. Never heard of him before. Ne- yeah. Um, he, he, just looking at the, I'm mean, getting geeky here, but basically he, he was doubled by Mark Blundell, um, British driver in mm. the so they, they very carefully basically just changed the M on the top of Mark's helmet to a J to fit with the character. Um, <laughs> that was about <laughs> as, as, as tricky as it got. Um, yeah, I, I'd never really heard of him before, and I've not heard of him no. in anything since. And he was he could have been a plank of wood, I mean, for all the emotive <laughs> in it. It was terrible. Well, and then there's Till Schweiger as the German older racer. And as you said, he's the Michael Schumacher. And, I mean, talk about a plank of wood. He's a tree. He, yeah. he, he looks yeah. better suited to be in like a Terminator movie or something or like a commando or something. But here he's just, he, there's, there's, I mean, I can't tell if I'm supposed to like him or not, or if he's the villain. And, and yet he's had the, in the love triangle and we're supposed to think he deserves to have the girl. But at the beginning he tells her, well, he's like, you're a distraction. I'm just like, okay, well, we're not supposed to be sympathetic to you for the rest of the movie, clearly, because you had this beautiful, well, kind of, girl, and and you told her, you're a distraction, you know. So he, he kind of reminded me of Kimi Raikkonen in a way, which would have been way more entertaining <laughs> if he'd been more like Kimi Raikkonen, you know? Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the thing with that, with that breakup is... That's the first set of dialogue and, and we, interaction we have with those two characters is him breaking out with her. So yeah. Couldn't we have at least had a little bit of a scene where we actually got to know them beforehand exactly. so it had some emotional impact? Exactly. It's like... Especially yeah, since no later... Whatsoever. Especially since later we're supposed to feel like, you know, we're supposed to feel good for him because doesn't he get the... He gets the I think we can say spoilers. He gets the girl back. So if he gets the girl yeah, back at the end... to him all of a sudden? Yes. I know. I'm like, well, if he gets the girl back, I guess he wasn't the bad guy after all, or else he learned a lesson. Well, I never saw him learn a lesson, so therefore he must have been good all along. Well, if he was good all along, how did he dump her at the beginning and tell her she's just a distraction? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make any story sense at all. Ah, ah. Wasn't his lesson? Wasn't his lesson? Wasn't his lesson the lecture he got from Sly Stallone at the back of the grandstand, telling him to go fight for her? Yeah, I guess. But that was it. That was, that it. was it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, 
I, I, I was going to say, you're going you're gonna to want to say the movie needed to be like a half an hour longer to flesh out the characters. I'm going to say, you make this movie a second longer, I'm coming up there and punching you. It did not need to be any longer. This movie was plenty long. It did not need to be any longer. Um, Gina you know, Gershon. The first cut was four hours long. Oh, good God. <laughs> I'm done. Good night, everybody. Um, I, <laughs> four hours of this? One at this. Oh my yeah, God. and on the DVD, there's one out. There's one hour of deleted scenes oh. on, the, on the DVD. You know what scene should have been deleted? The whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie should have been a deleted scene. I, see, I was trying to be positive, but I just can't. I can't. You, you look, folks. If you think that we're just, that I especially being too harsh, I would say then go watch it. But you know what? Don't. <laughs> I'm trying to help you here. I took the <laughs> bullet for you, okay? Just trust me. Don't go watch this just to prove me wrong because two hours later, you're going to be like, man, Van was right. <laughs> I, I wasted two hours of my life. <laughs> um, I did want to say Gina Gershon, who I appreciate mo in most of her things that she's done. I really like her. I think she's very interesting looking. She has a very, I like the way she acts. I like her personality in a lot of things. I know that she's kind of like a bad guy-ish character in this movie, but still, I was so, I was like a, a, a man dying of thirst in the middle of the desert. And when Gina Gershon came along, I'm like, okay, she will at least do something interesting. I don't care if she's like the villain girl and being mean to everybody. I don't care. I just want her to do something that I will care about and will be interesting and I can watch her. And, and you know, she mostly did. And so I was very glad that yeah, she but was again, in the it, I was going to say, yeah, but yeah, again, it was a one-note character. She was the bitch and that was it. I mean, she was a bitch all the way through to it. Exactly. But she's, but she's at least an interesting and, and trying. She's trying. There were... There were uh, very. Who else in the movie was trying? Putting any effort in. I mean, again, Stallone, I yeah. felt like, was actually, probably because he wrote the script, he knew exactly how to play the character, right? Because he wrote it. And so I felt like, yeah. that this is, let me see, this is why I thought Stallone actually, I don't want to say he was good in this, because I don't think anybody was good in this. Here's why I thought Stallone was better than anybody else in it, is because when he would act, he would be understated. He would like, say his lines in varying degrees of emphasis and looking away and looking at the person and all that, which is just very rudimentary acting, but it's more acting than anybody else in the movie did other than Gina Gershon. See, that's the thing. His acting yeah, was like a... His acting was a D. Everybody else was an F. <laughs> I, I would say, actually, the scene between those two when they first met and you found out she was his ex-wife and had married his best friend and stuff... That was actually a pretty good scene. Those mm -hmm. two played off each other really well. They yeah. sparked off each other. And, ag and again, when she sort of found him with his new girlfriend and she was making the snide remarks, um, yeah, I thought that played well. Um, so that, I think those two sparked off each other. That, I think they were the only two that had any real chemistry or anything approaching chemistry between yes. the two characters. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I mean, Gina Gershon, when they're in the restroom, and Gina Gershon is being witchy to uh, the, the little short-haired brunette that was kind of interested in Stallone, uh, the reporter, Luke, whatever. Um, yeah. I thought Gina Gershon was really trying, but the other lady just is was not acting, was just not doing anything, and so it was kind of falling flat. So that's why I say that she was the other one that was at least putting in an effort. I, I, I appreciated that. The other actor I wanted to mention... His name is not on here. It's the guy that was the second banana on House. He played the brother who was an agent of the young driver. And yep. he's the doctor on House that's not Hugh Laurie. And he Thank plays. Thank you. Thank you. I could not place it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I kept looking at him going, I know, I know that guy, but he was playing such a completely different character in this that it took me a few minutes to place him. But he's he plays a slimy agent guy. But here's the thing about it not only that, it's like they put him in black suits with like a black tie and he's a jerk. And it's like, it couldn't be any more of a stereotype. You know what I mean? There's like, there's no nuance to him at all. And he had to play that. And it was terrible. There was no nuance to him at all. He just, he's, he's like, he's mean to his brother. He wear, I mean, he, he dresses like, I mean, he, he would fit in at a formula one event where nobody else in this did because he looked like a Euro 
you know, sleazy European agent type guy as opposed to like the brother of an American driver. You know, it just, it, it was just, a, it, it seemed like a character that came over from an earlier draft of the script. Right. Robert Sean Leonard. Yeah, Robert Sean Leonard. That's it. Yeah. He seemed like a character that was um, held over from an earlier draft and just didn't fit into this movie the way I think they wanted him to. Yeah. And again, he didn't really play to character. Um, uh, and by the way, I don't know if you noticed it, but there was actually several scenes where you see him in the pit lane where they actually reversed the, the, the footage of him standing up to make it look like he was sitting down in the pit. Um, there were several scenes where they actually just reversed the film to make him do something yeah. because they obviously didn't go, have time to do a reshoot or something. Ooh. So there's a couple of scenes where he like moves really funny because they're actually running, the move, running a couple of feet of the film backwards. It's really strange. Whoa, that is strange. Um, it seems to be just him. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was, that was, uh, I, again, I think he was meant to be, it could have been somebody that got, um, built up because he talks about how the, cause it sounded like from the script that he had originally wanted to be a racer. Then his kid brother started beating him and it got to a point mm-hmm. where he realized his kid brother had the talent, but he had the marketing now. So, you know, he helped build his kid brother up and we didn't get any of that. It was all, to- it was all told or it was exposition or it was flashback for God's mm-hmm. sake. Racing drivers having flashbacks and at 200 miles an hour on an oval, yeah, not happening. Um, but, and, yeah, it, and they could all talk to each other. Really right. Yeah, yeah, I know. Apparently, the, yeah, the, the uh, team radio allows them to talk to each other like fighter pilots. Or so, <laughs> that, I, yeah. I kept thinking, I kept thinking, this is like a racing movie made by somebody who knows almost nothing about racing. You know, I mean, and that's part of the thing is that that those the, the two guys in charge of it supposedly do know about racing, so or said they did. So I'm um, interested in it. And yeah, suppose, well. took them took them four years to research it and get financing. So what the hell they were researching? I have no uh, idea. And, well, and I mean, and you gotta love how they have these giant catastrophic accidents, and everybody just keeps going. There's no yellow flag. There's no oh my gosh. You know, it's just. Cars explode and go flying through the air left and right, and everybody just powers right through it and keeps driving along under a green flag. I'm like, I guess part of it is they're kind of like skipping through, you know, but they don't make that clear. They just act like they 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 act in this movie as if cars go flying through the air and explode in flames outside the the track at every race and everyone just takes it in stride and doesn't care. It really it really looked like they were trying to make the way cars did back in the 60s like in Grand Prix when they went off the track, you know, went in the water and everything. It looked like they were trying to say that that still happens with cars now and it was so contrived to do it. I I was just astonished, you know, like the I mean, I'll go ahead and mention it now. Okay. So, here's let me Alan, let me walk you through this scene, okay? Here's an actual scene okay. from the movie. Memo, I love the guy's name is Memo. He just kept throwing me out of the movie every time they call him Memo. I wanted to write him a memo. Memo goes flying through the air in his car, then comes down, yep. crashes onto the track, then gets hit by another car, knocking his car flying over the track and landing out in a lake. The other guy turns his car around on the track, drives backwards on the track, back to where the crash was, gets out, and he and another driver go into the water and swim to the car that landed in the middle of the lake, and they're trying to get him out of the car. But then the fuel is leaking out of his car into the water, and meanwhile, a tree nearby is on fire, and randomly it falls over into the water, igniting the fuel, and the car in the water explodes just as they drag the guy away in the water, and at this point, I'm just on the floor. <laughs> I, that so that actually work, happened. Have, that actually happened. Should we work? It does, and uh, <laughs> that's the centerpiece action scene for the movie. Yes. Um, so I actually, th- I actually think that that was meant to be inspired by Nicky Lauda's accident, where drivers stopped to help pull a fellow driver out of a burning car. I think that's what, it, yeah, what he was trying to do there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually, if you again, if you watch the making of, not, it wasn't just those two drivers. It was actually. Um, Stallone's character also managed to run from the pit lane all the way to the isolated lake and help with the rescue too. Wow. Um, but then they cut him out. Um, but uh, so, so let's go through the, through this as, as how, <laughs> how wrong this is. So, so this is taking part in Germany where 
the track appears to be on a divided highway, but suddenly has a banked corner in the middle of it. I was wondering about that. Um, so Mimo touches the, basically touches Bly's car because he's listening to his girlfriend on the radio rather than <laughs> focusing. And he touches, doesn't, so it does that, that shoots him up the, up the, the mysterious banking where the nose goes in. You're right. So he goes up in the air in bullet time because he's in slow motion while the cars are going under him at mm-hmm. normal speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, comes down on the track, gets hit by another car, which we never see whatever happens to the other car. Assumingly, it just carries on. <laughs> even though it just hit a flying car. <laughs> which launches him high enough not just to go over the top of the trees. No. Where... Uh, and as you said, the car bursts into flames as it's going over the top of the trees and lands upside down in the pool. Okay. Start spilling fuel. So what fuel do Indy cars run on? Ethanol, right? Isn't it? Or alcohol? Methanol, yeah. Okay. Methanol, yeah. Methanol okay. burns with an invisible, invisible flame. Invisible flame, right. You jump in the water because you might be on fire and you don't know it. And how do you put out a methanol f- fire? I don't know. You just said it. You jump in the water? Water. Okay. Yeah, it's water. So having a IndyCar upside down burning with fl- a, a visible flame in water, not physically possible. Not Never possible. mind the physics of the, of the actual crash, which is completely ridiculous <laughs> and gravity-defying and physics-defying, but actually an IndyCar... Oh, by the way, it wouldn't leak anyway because the cars then had fuel cells, so they mm. don't burst into flames. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so they wouldn't burst into flames. Uh, it wouldn't get that airborne. Um, and as you, as you quite rightly said, there would be um, marshal posts every, what, 100 feet? Um, the would... IndyCar has actually, the, was the first series to have its own permanent safety and rescue crew, um, which they had then. So they would have been on the scene within seconds. You wouldn't have had to wait like five minutes for the German ambulances and the German fire brigade to turn up. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, and then, as you said, you get the drive driver turning around and, and stopping now that is ex- examples of drivers stopping um mm-hmm. to help out there was like the dutch grand prix with roger williamson's horrible accident when he burnt to death david Purley pulled his car to the side and ran over and did try and write the car to get him out with the marshals so there's one instance where Ayrton senna stopped by a crash car and basically um helped the driver there's the nicky louder incident where but yeah nobody turns around and drive so Drivers have stopped and got out of the car and rushed to help other drivers um, who have gone off the road. Um, there's precedence for that, um, but not turning around and going the wrong way around a banked <laughs> corner with cars coming at you at 250 mile an hour. Nobody would do that. Um, no. So yeah, it's uh, that, and that's meant to be the big uh, action scene. So it it is wrong in so so many ways. So so many. I, they they kept making a big deal about this was a road course, and yet. Or, or whatever, and yet they had the big bank curve thing, and I couldn't figure out if that was possible that it would be that way. The only thing I can think of with the, well, the only thing I can think of, there used to be a track just outside Berlin called, called Avis, which um, um, was, a, was a test track originally, and it was, it was the early autobahn, and it was two sides of an autobahn, and they actually did have a, a very highly banked curve at one end. Um, but that mm. hadn't been used since like 1961 for open wheels and closed in 98 and it's actually still there it's actually the, the autobahn bits are still there in germany with the in berlin with the um, with the stands you can actually drive drive along it um so i think they were trying to do avas or something like it but it was ridiculous you, you, you it just didn't work because when they were doing the helicopter shots you couldn't see there was no bank curve right. um and yeah it, it, it just didn't work and you, you talked about them talking about road tracks there's certain parts where they were at a race and it would switch the cars would switch from um, oval get up, uh, oval setup to road course setup <laughs> to short oval setup, um, and you know, like Toronto, you talked about Toronto and him doing the thing with the the coins, yeah, which he was doing on the Toronto street circuit. If you watch that scene while he's doing the 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 CGI trick with it and picking up the coins with his tires, the scenery behind him is like trees and fields and stuff on the. Toronto street circuit does not have yeah. trees and fields and stuff in the background. It's a street circuit in downtown Toronto. Exactly. So, um, was, yeah, the, the, I, they I, would just throw stuff up. So <laughs> I just wish these were the biggest problems with the movie. Oh. Honestly, 
<laughs> I could forgive a few technical yeah, problems too. here and there, honestly, if it was a good story. You know what I mean? This, the thing this, is, it's not the technical problems. The CGI, the CGI and the physics in the CGI is so over the top. And I mean, it's yeah. like a bad 1990s racing game. I'm not a gamer, but it's like a bad 1990s right. racing game well, on your PC. I mean, it is really hot, bad CGI. I just kept getting the impression that that they were trying to make a 60s racing movie but set in 2001, you know? And so, so much about it was more like the 60s cars. You know, the explosions and the crashes and all that kind of stuff was much more, you know, much more of a, a thing of that era when safety wasn't as, you know, big as it is now and... Like you said, there weren't as many marshals around, safety people and everything, and you and the drivers had to go pull each other out of the burning cars and all. You don't see that anymore. You don't see anything like that anymore, and yet this no. movie tried to act like that's how it still was. There was just a lot about this movie that seemed like it was trying to be a throwback and modern at the same time, and that gave it even more of that weird fantasy feeling that it not only is it not any particular kind of racing we actually know about, it also didn't seem to be of a particular... It was almost kind of like... Think about Payback with Mel Gibson. When you, when you watch Payback and you have to say, what year is this movie set in? Well, it's contemporary, right? It was made in 1999. Well, but they have rotary phones and old big cars, and it's almost in black and white. And you're like, well, it's really kind of set like a period piece, but it's not. And it, it's kind of like in a noir fantasy realm that doesn't fit any time period. And that's kind of how this movie felt. This movie felt like a fantasy movie that was trying to be every time and no time, and every place and no place, and every kind of racing and no kind of racing, you know? Yeah, I think it was. I think they did like we've talked a bit about this with some of the other movies where they, you know, they they go back and they look at incidents that have happened in the history of the sport and say, well, you know, that thing actually happened and this happened and this happened. Let's just all throw them in our movie. And it's mm -hmm. like, as you said, times have changed, safety's changed, the cars changed, the way things are operational have changed, uh, you know, the safety gears changed. It just doesn't happen that way anymore. But they were, you know, cherry picking incidents from like 30, 40 years of, of race prior 30, 40 years of racing and trying to shove them into this modern environment and it, it just doesn't work. And I could say, and then they get the physics wrong with it as well and do, you know, stupid, I mean, you know, all, the way all the cars take off when, as soon as there's an accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's the, 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 the big Max Pappas one where, you know, a car spins around and ends up facing and Max Pappas hits it head on and gets launched into the air and does a huge leap on the car breaks up and rolls and stuff. And the other, they never mentioned the other car. The other car, the driver would have been dead if that happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, they hit head on at 200 and whatever miles an hour, but it's all, oh, look at this wonderful stunt shot we did where we, you know, I mean, you know, the, the first the first one that you actually see, um, the first accident where the guy goes through the barrier, you can see the cannon underneath it that launches the car, um, <laughs> you know, and you think, oh, that's stupid. And that actually turns out to be the most realistic one of them all you know yeah um so yeah you know nobody can have a nobody can have a crash without getting at least 50 foot in the air and spinning over and landing <laughs> upside down it's true um, yeah well we've got to talk about the other showstopper scene all right we, we got to talk about um the chase through oh god do we have to <laughs> we we got to talk about the chase through um chicago wasn't it yeah, downtown Chicago. Oh my goodness! I th here are my complete notes on that. This is in all caps. Okay, this is the only part of my notes that are in all capital letters. I said the following, Alan. I typed in all capital letters, and then they stole the prototype cars and chased around Chicago, and I am dead. Because <laughs> I just didn't know what to do anymore. I'm like, okay, that's that happened. That's now a thing. They actually, they actually stole. I mean, you want to walk through? Why? Why did they do that? They, they. I have no idea because it makes no no sense in terms of the movie, other than the fact that it's the young hotshot getting into a, a fury because he's lost his girl back to the girlfriend's original fiance, and he has a hissy fit and jumps in a car and then of course Stallone jumps in a car to chase him and how many ways is this wrong okay so if that was a, a car launch and those were show cars they probably didn't even have engines in them um but no if they, did, they were probably minimally fueled just I was gonna say they wouldn't <laughs> even have any fuel 
What the heck? And and yeah. no way to start and it. No way to start it. Exactly. You don't just, they just Indy jump cars in. cars do not have an onboard starter. <laughs> they don't just crank these things up. You have to have a starter. They just, yeah. they just jump in them. They don't even crank the ignition since there's not one. They just jump in them, put them in gear, and off yeah. they go. So, so here was the thing. All right, let me, let me, let me walk through quick. So they're at the, they're at the, like a big ga- gala, gala, right? And everybody's dressed up in the tuxedos. Yeah. And the young up and coming driver that's kind of the main focus of the movie, he gets mad at his girlfriend, and so. He, here he is, like, trying to win a world championship, trying not to get fired by his team and all that, right? You have to toe the line, do the corporate thing. What does he do? He jumps in one of the two prototype cars for next year, puts it in gear, and drives out of there onto the streets of downtown Chicago at 200 miles an hour. How do I know he's driving around Chicago at 200 miles an hour? Because a cop uses a radar gun on him and it says 195. So he yes, was driving yeah. practically 200 miles an hour. What does Bert what what does what does Stallone do? Does he call the police? Does he go, "Oh, that kid's career is over. I don't know why I ever thought he was mature enough to be on the team. He's going to go get killed." No, what does he do? He jumps in the other car and chases after him, Alan. What the heck? <laughs> What is he doing? And they have a car chase through downtown Chicago in Indy cars. And I'm just on the floor, like, beating my head on the ground. And then they have uh, badly CGI'd manhole covers that nearly (sighs) take Stallone's head off. And then Stallone drives under a bunch of uh, track trailers. And they go through the tunnels. And then they... And then they, they just basically abandon these two really expensive yes. multi-million dollar yes. race cars in the middle of the street and have a pushing match. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I know. And then you find out you find out at the next race, what's their punishment? They get a fine. <laughs> they should have gone to those, prison. Those guys those guys would be uh, going to prison or or even if they didn't go to prison, they would not they would never race in any No sanctioning body ever again they endangered Um, so many lives it's a miracle i i assume nobody died but in real life if somebody did that people would die and the cops never chase them the cops never show up they just drive around at 200 miles an hour for a while and then and at one point they do get like i said the, the cop zaps him with the radar he calls for help and then nothing nothing no roadblocks nothing yeah nothing yeah Oh, good uh, God! I mean, it, it's, if it's if you think of this movie like a, a, a Roadrunner, a coyote cartoon, I guess it's kind of fun parts, the parts that aren't excruciating with the dialogue. <laughs> oh, there was one thing I did appreciate in the first sort of action racing scene. They used some Crystal Method music, and I'm a big fan of Crystal Method, so I liked I liked the soundtrack in that one scene. But I thought, oh, they're going to be the soundtrack. That's cool, and that's the last time you hear them. So that was disappointing. Just one scene. Yeah, the soundtrack. The soundtrack was all over the place as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really was. Yeah, if they'd used Crystal Method all the way through it, man, it would have had a consistent sound. That would have been awesome, and it would have matched it because it's that really, you know, that electronic hard driving stuff. I'm probably going to use it as the bumper music on this episode, so folks will know what I'm talking about. But. Um, since it was in the movie, but yeah, they only use it for that one scene and you never hear them again. So, oh, well, yeah. So, all right. There's two things I have left on the agenda. The first one is what else do you want to talk about, about this movie? Because I've pretty much covered my notes now. I know we didn't really like to do a synopsis or anything or spoiler, but if there's anything you want to say about it beyond that, then please Let's see if I, yeah, this, this is, I wrote like, Three sentences for the whole plot of the whole movie. I don't think <laughs> there I left anything go. out. That's, I wrote right, so more than I you got, did. The movie revolves. So this is this is my plot synopsis. The movie revolves around three drivers in the kart series with an added love triangle. Rookie driver takes on defending champion, but doesn't seem to be able to handle the pressure. So a veteran is called in to help him by becoming his teammate. There is some bad blood going on between the drivers, including swapping a girlfriend back and forth. And eventually, the rookie is able to win the season. That's it. You know, there, there's a little Bull Durham to it, but but that's an awfully slap in the face to Bull Durham, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, but but that's about it. It's like Stallone is the Kevin Costner character, and Bly is the uh, Tim Tim what's his name character. But oh yeah, 
Yeah, Susan Sarandon is it, the. It, it's yeah. every sports movie cliche. Yeah, it's every sports movie cliche you can think of thrown in here. Um, I, I will say, I, I said at the beginning, I, there was a couple of um, positive things, and I touched on a few of them already. Um, I think the fact that they actually filmed it at the actual races, um, you, you know, they were in the actual pit lane, um, they were in the paddock, um, they were filming around stuff. I think you get a good vibe. I think it's a really good. I hate to say this, it's got, got little documentary, documentary uh, evidence of, of what Champ Car was like just before it took a nosedive. Um, I think, mm. you know, you, there's some great cars. I mean, they, they took a lot of actual racing footage, mm. but then they spoiled it by putting CGI cars in to fit the storyline. Instead of mm-hmm. working with what actually happened on track, they started moving CGI cars in and around what was actually happening on track. So um, instead of like, you know, having camera cars and stunt cars and things, they just manipulated the, the actual race footage. But I think this, there is some great race footage in there. I think the aerial shots of, of Chicago look really good at the old Chicago Speedway that's not there anymore. Um, stuff at Toronto is pretty good. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's some, there is some good, uh, some good racing footage there. Um, I love seeing a lot of those drivers. I think they were, I, I went through IMDb. There's 20 drivers listed on IMDb mm-hmm. um, who are in this movie, um, including people like Michael Andretti, Dario Franchitti, Tony Canaan, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, Paul Tracy, Jacques Villeneuve. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of really well known drivers in there. So uh, again, a bit like with Grand Prix, where I was going, oh, there's so and so, and there's so and so. I was doing a lot of that in this movie. It, you get those, and I like the little vignette uh, at the end. Um, where the, before the last race, where they actually show some of the actual drivers with their families before they get in the car, showing their little pre-race um, routines and stuff. I, I, I like that. That was a nice little moment. Was, was, um, was that Chip so, Ganassi I saw about a million was, times? Yeah, Chip, Chip Ganassi was playing the, uh, the German driver's uh, mm. team boss, yes. So, so basically the yeah. German driver so, was think, supposed to be Michael Schumacher, but he actually turned out to be Scott Dixon. <laughs> Like well, that. actually, it was one. It was one Pablo Montoya's uh, who was okay. doubling for that. So, uh, okay. but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So uh, I, I, I sort of, I thought there was some good things. It, it actually, I don't know if you. There's a there's a great podcast called um, I think I mentioned it before called Dinner Dinner with Racers, which is basically two guys who are in sports car racing and they literally drive around the country having dinner with people in motorsports they basically sit down with a restaurant and chat for an hour over over dinner um and it's a great podcast and uh, they always refer to this movie as the best documentary on indycar ever produced um when they're interviewing people and they always ask anybody who was involved with it how you know what was their role in the in the uh, indycar documentary and they really take the uh, <laughs> take the mickey out of this movie um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so one of the people they had on there was the announcer, Paul Page, uh, who basically tells the story of the movie through exposition in the announcements right, um, right. in the movie. I mean, that's Paul Page's voice you hear. You don't see him on screen. They have two other actors supposedly playing the announcers, but that's Paul Page's voice, mm-hmm. um, who is, had his name taken off the credits. And apparently um, when these guys from Dinners with Racers were interviewing him, um, he basically said that... At the uh, after the uh, the premiere, he walked out of the movie theater and went around and personally apologized to every IndyCar driver uh, that was at the premiere because he had so much of an involvement with it. Oh gosh, so, well, good uh, for him. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it, it 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 did not do IndyCar's reputation or should I say Champ Car's reputation any good at the time at the time, which is a real shame. I I did notice that every crash in the movie is always caused by a driver trying to prove himself and pushing too hard while everybody's saying, no, no, back down, slow down. No, I can do it. And it's like over uh-huh. and over. It's always, they get too close. They, they hit, you know, it, it, yeah. So much of the racing was just contrived for the story rather than actual racing that, and I think that most people, that's not just a techie thing. I think most people can tell that. Oh God. Yeah. Like I said, it's a like a really bad video game. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you this then. This was the the other thing. What was your favorite thing about the movie? What did you like the best? What did you feel like did make it maybe a little bit worth your time? Um, I think, like I just said, I think for me, it, and it's probably just a, a, a nostalgia thing, um, is is watching it and seeing Champ Car at a point when it was still it was really good, and uh, you know I used to follow it really closely, and you know I, I I can recognize most of the cars and drivers on there, and seeing that seeing you know the real guys in the background. Um, sort of 
ignore the filter of the stupid movie that's going on in the front, <laughs> but looking at what else is happening around, um, you know, um, I enjoyed that. So it was a nice little sort of snapshot of that of that time in IndyCar um, racing. Do so. you do you feel like Estella Warren, the blonde young lady that was kind of the love interest, did she was she a net positive or a net negative to this movie? Oh, a net negative. <laughs> she really didn't have much going for her, did her? Did she? Other than just trying to be, you know, cute or whatever. It's like she was no, the I'm prize. Going back to the, go, yeah, going back to the frat boy stuff. Apparently, the uh, the really strange synchronized swimming uh, acrobatics in the swimming pool scene was put in because she wanted it. So, well, that was her thing. Because apparently, that's her thing. Yeah, that was her thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, she she had again. No charisma, no on-screen chemistry. Um, just kind of whiny. Just kind of whiny. Yeah, that whole love triangle thing. The whole love triangle, mm. so, the soap opera stuff we talked about at the beginning, just made no sense and didn't add to it at all. No, you didn't know why he was being mean to her because there's no background. You didn't know why really he's nice to her other than Stallone said, hey, why don't you be nice to her? <laughs> that's pretty much the whole, like you said, that's, yeah. her, that's his yeah. character arc is Stallone fusses at him oh well there's a whole movie changes but um yeah i mean if he didn't have if the german guy didn't have any lines he would have been better because he looked cool he's a tough looking guy he just couldn't say anything it was terrible um i i don't know i i was curious what you liked the best i'm afraid to ask what you liked the least because i i would say the movie <laughs> i don't know where to go i mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean the movie itself is is terrible. I'm, I again apologize for making you watch it, but I think we had to. Um, we, we, yeah. we, we've watched all the good ones. We'll get back to some good ones. Um, yeah, we will. I hope we but, will. But uh, um, I've mentioned it several times. For me, it's just the physics of it. That you talked mm. about it being in a fantasy, and just yeah, nothing bugs me more. I mean, CGI can be a great tool, but when you do it badly and you don't, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't acknowledge that you know. <laughs> CGI things have to work within the physics of the world within right. which you're working. Yes. And they, have, and they have to have mass and they have yeah. to have weight and they have to have, <laughs> you know, react the right way. And plus, of course, all the technical stuff that is just so completely and utterly wrong um, about these particular cars and, and the way they work. So, yeah, just, just from a, a racing purist point of view, it is just, I will echo Jay Leno, it is the worst. <laughs> racing movie ever made i think well I, I i want to make it clear to our listeners who are not as up on racing as certainly you are and maybe even me because i'm far less than you but but even still i know a little bit but if you don't know hardly any what alan's talking about is absolutely legitimate but it's just one part because this is not a movie let me make this clear this is not a movie that you're like, oh, well, if I don't know nearly as much as Alan does about racing, I'll enjoy it. No, because the technical stuff he's talking about is one part of it that's bad. Then there's the acting, the script, the story, the characters, the plot, everything else. So the technical the problems with it, the yeah, the technical problems of it are just one particular layer of a very thick onion of layers of badness. Yeah. I, I guess yeah. I was trying to think, what do I like about it? I guess probably just that it that it, at least it tried to have IndyCar related cars doing something cool. I mean, even if that was like the the fallback because they couldn't get what they really wanted, which is another kind of a slap in the face, right? Oh well, you're our consolation prize. We couldn't get Formula One, so here we are, you know, guys. Hey, and yeah, the script is still basically a Formula One script, but we'll just pretend that IndyCar is like Formula One, you know. I mean, I, I just kept watching this movie with all these grand plot lines and the way everybody acts and overacts or underacts. And then I would think about how actual IndyCar drivers are when we see them on NBC and on uh, and, and ESPN or whatever, you know, whatever channel it's on now. Yeah, NBC and NBC Sports Channel. It's just so, it's just so not how actual people are. You know what I mean? In other words, compare, compare Estella Warren and Gina Gershon and Sylvester Stallone and these other people and how they're acting in this relationship drama to how, like, Ryan Hunter Ray's wife compared to Alexander Rossi's girlfriend compared to Scott Dixon's wife. I mean, like, they're just regular people. They're, this is like making them... I mean, even Formula One wives and girlfriends aren't this drama queenish. And everybody in this movie is a drama queen. You know what I mean? It's like... It's, it's not even... 
at least, you know, Grand Prix, Grand Prix was drama. It was acting, but it wasn't trying to be a pot boiler soap opera as, as anywhere near like this. It was trying to be, you know, a serious drama with some character stuff, but not like this. This, this is just, this is soap opera. This is like General Hospital. Where everything is, I will never speak to you again. Well, how dare you? You know, everything is just arch, de- declaiming. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's like somebody just ha- had a, a bag with cliched lines in it and was rolling a <laughs> dice and sort of pill- well, pulling out. That's Stallone, right? Bits of dialogue and sticking them on the page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 25 times, apparently. Yeah, oh, tw- 25 drafts. So. Can you imagine writing? Ha- we, I, I, I'm never going to watch this movie again. Can you imagine writing it 25 times? Oh, my gosh. Poor Sly. Yeah, I know. Poor yeah. Sly. Yeah. Poor Sly. All right. Well, that's everything so, I have to say about it. I so want to give you a chance you, to if, get if, your stuff in. Okay. So I was going to say, if, if, you, if you, you want to know what we're talking about but don't want to waste two hours of your time, I mm. highly recommend if on YouTube there's a guy called Josh Revel who does great uh, F1 um, short videos about various aspects of F1. He's actually done one on Driven called Why Driven is the Best Worst <laughs> Racing Film of All Time. Um, it's nine minutes and 30 seconds long. So if you've got 10 minutes of your life and you want to see what the hell we're talking about, just go search for Why Driven is the Best Worst Racing Film of All Time by uh, Josh Revel. I highly recommend it. It's a good, te- it's a good 10 minute to giggle of to, as to what we've been talking about uh, for the past hour. <laughs> I've already got it up. I'm going to check it out. All right. Again, I, I've I've thrown out all my. I've emptied my notebook. Uh, oh, by the way, I love that the that we talked about uh, Till Schweiger being the German driver. I love that his name is um, Bo Brandenburg. That's just <laughs> that's such a Stallone movie name. <laughs> that should be who Stallone played. Stallone is um, Joe Tanto. I just love the names they yeah. come up with, Joe Tanto and Bo Brandenburg. I mean, that sounds like it should be in um, in the next uh, what's it, you know Will Ferrell NASCAR movie. <laughs> the, <you know. laughs> oh gosh, is that one we're going to have to do at some point? Surely not. Talladega Nights. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Nights, you know, I grew up 15 minutes from Talladega. Yeah. I'm. I, the, yeah, we're definitely gonna. Yes, yeah. Talladega is once or twice. Talladega is the next town over from where I'm from. So, yeah. So. yeah. yeah All right. We'll definitely have to do that one time. So. Well, I don't have anything else to say about this movie. Do you? No, it's going back on the shelf where it can collect <laughs> dust for another 15 years. <laughs> I think I honestly have to go watch Grand Prix again just to cleanse my soul, <laughs> just to wash it out. I may. I'm, I seriously, I seriously may watch Grand Prix again, like tomorrow, just to get this out. This is probably the most negative we've ever been about a movie, isn't it? But it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, is I it? think it is. Yeah. yeah this, I don't think it, we were even this negative about Casino Royale 67. Oh, God. That's what this movie needed, is Native Americans parachuting through the roof at the end. That would have made it if they could that have done made it. <laughs> It would have made it so much better, yeah. So much better. I mean, at least you'd, at least they would be acknowledging the absurdity instead of kept telling us for two hours that it was serious, you know. Uh, they needed it at some point just to say, you know what, we're not even trying anymore, not we, not that we were before. Let's just rip the, rip the cover off and turn it into a farce. It needed to turn into a Mel Brooks movie about halfway through. That would have, that would have, uh, that would have helped. Well, that would have been a lot better. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I guess. I guess we, oh uh, it it did have a fifth no a fourteen Rotten Tomatoes score fourteen yeah. percent fresh. Oh, on what, Rotten we, what we didn't talk we didn't talk yeah what we didn't talk about was how it fared at the box office. So it had a budget of ninety four million, and so far today its worldwide return is fifty four point eight. Ooh, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think we'll be seeing a sequel anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, I. What about Rennie Harlan? I wanted to ask you that. I don't know much about him. I know he did uh, a couple of movies. Um, Cliffhanger but, was really the only other one. The other one he did was Stallone's that I knew the name from. What is he? He's from Finland, right? I think he's Finnish. Yeah, I think he's Finnish. I think he's supposed to be like the most successful Finnish director in movie history. But not for this. <laughs> not for this one. Um, I don't think that's a particularly big uh, group of people, though, is it? 
Um, yeah, I, I keep hoping uh, that that uh, Kimi Raikkonen will go into other endeavors soon and, and give us more of him. He needs like a a talk show, or I'm trying to figure out where he needs to take his talents next once he's done racing, because he's too good to just go away and never oh, okay. be seen again. All right, I'm just looking quickly, looking at Rennie Harlan. He did Die Hard too. Mm-hmm. I actually like Die Hard too. Mm-hmm. That's the one at the airport. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. Adventures of Ford Fairlane, Cliffhanger, oh. Cutthroat oh. Island. Okay, well, that's not a good one. We're starting uh, down. Uh, we're yeah. we're heading down. Yeah, <laughs> pull the parachute quick. We're heading down. And then, <laughs> and then driven, and then The Exorcist, the beginning, okay. Covenant, and then he seems to have done a lot of TV since then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, this got seven ra- golden raspberries. Including worst nomination, yeah. worst picture, worst director, worst screenplay, worst screen couple, Reynolds and Stallone, which is funny. Um, and Reynolds and, and Estella Warren got she won worst supporting actress. Wow, wow, uh huh, wow, all yeah. right, all right, deservedly so, deservedly yes, so. yes, yes. I mean, wow, okay, I, I'm, I'm done. Are you done? <laughs> what should I'm people, done. I'm, yeah, tell folks what they should watch instead. What do you think? What would you suggest they watch uh, instead? I'm going to watch Grand Prix again. What should they watch instead? I was going to say anything like uh, Ford versus Ferrari Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rush. Yeah, Rush is so good. Yeah, Rush I mean, is so good. God, I love yeah, that movie. If you want to actually watch a, a, something about you know the established guy and the upstart and going for the world championship, watch Rush. That's so good. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah, I tell In you, fact, Gr- I think that's probably always going to be my, my eyeball cleanser. <laughs> yeah, Grand Prix, Rush, and Ford versus Ferrari are like the holy trinity that I think we've covered so far of really good racing movies. There have been others, but those three, really, man, they're just, it's hard to top that. It really is. All right, yeah. well, let's let's get yeah. on back into the garage, get on out of here for another episode. I think we've covered it pretty good. What's coming up? What do you, have you put your eyeballs yet on what we're going to do coming up? Do you have anything in mind uh, that I, you well, want to? I think you mentioned mentioned on one of our other podcasts the other the other week uh, that maybe we should do Senna. Yeah, if you're up for that. Yeah, I watched it once, but in pieces, so I didn't really get a good sense of it. But I always hear good things about it, and it was interesting. I was kind of watching it for content rather than overall impression that time, like what a, you know, just learning, just like a learning exercise. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna go back and watch it yeah. again as 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 like one straight all the way through movie. And then I'll be all set. So I guess we'll do that. And then yeah, um, yeah, I think we'll do Santa next. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, we did it. (laughs) We did it. We accomplished this. Very good. All right, we'll get on out of here for another episode. Al and I will be back uh, doing something or other soon. In fact, you know what we're talking about doing as a new series now. We gotta do. We gotta do our uh, Roger Moore retrospective, right? Yep. We're gonna do Roger Moore. But I also, I also want to do Mandalorian. I'm up for that. Very good. I thought you I thought you would. I thought you would. All right. Alan, take it easy. All right. Avoid avoid driven. (laughs) Avoid going avoid going backwards on the track. (laughs) And we will see you later. Bye everybody. (laughs) Bye. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.